Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Hi, a very warm welcome to a serious radio live brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month and really discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Today, we're in for a treat. Your hosts... Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze will be discussing the first cosmic transmission given in public. I won't say too much about this historical happening as all will be revealed during the show. So without further ado, I hand you over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you you very much, Nikki. Yes, I think we had a, a phone there. Apologies for that. And welcome, and nice to have you back this month, Chrissy. Oh, thank you very much. It's very nice to be back. Last yeah. time, um, Chrissy, sadly you couldn't join us, but we had Julian Rosser, who really contributed to Ethereum Radio Live, and thank him for that. Um, and we were talking about the supergalactic pantheon. I think that was a bit of a, a wordy name, I have to admit. I actually originally thought of calling it the supergalactic theogony, but that, that would have been even more OTT maybe. But what we were talking about, uh, Chrissy, and I know you heard it, was the very advanced blessings, because of course this this took place on March the 15th, the birth date of the Master Jesus, and it was he, the Master Jesus, who gave us this absolutely brand new information to certainly ordinary people on planet Earth, and told us about gods, uh, beings, intelligences which transcend any that we've been told about before. So we were focusing on the 9th, the 10th, the 11th and the 12th blessings. And in the course of that, um, uh, Chrissy, I mean, obviously it goes without saying we're way out of our depth even talking about it, but I do believe, and in our Theorist Radio Live we have the philosophy that if we are given some knowledge, some teaching, it must be useful to us. We must have some capability of understanding at least partially some meaning in it. And uh, it's our job to try and find all of us, I don't just mean the presenters of this show, all those who come across this wisdom, to try to comprehend and take on board these amazing revelations. So after that particular show was finished, I had a couple of thoughts uh, which came to me very strongly which are very relevant to that particular topic and if you don't mind Chrissy just for a couple of minutes before we get started on today's theme I would just like to uh, share those with our listeners. Oh absolutely Richard Um, it was really an inspired show I have to say but I know that with your inspirations, they seem to keep on flowing. So it'd be really fascinating, I think, to hear those uh, inspirations, revelations that you had afterwards. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I can only offer these as thoughts. I can't offer them as as facts. Uh, I pass cool. them on as you know, realizations that I've had that I believe are relevant, but obviously people will form their own conclusions and, and decide what they wish to take and what and, and if there's anything they don't, that's fine by me. So the first relates to the numbers. And by the way, apologies to listeners who are coming in on this who aren't familiar with the twelve blessings. And this this isn't uh, going to be all about that. This is just a little aftermath, if you like, to the last show, which is on ethereus.org, if you didn't hear it, and you can see what we were talking about then. And in the 11th blessing, there are references to numbers. There are references to 91 galactic lords and 900 million solar logi. And the first thought I had about that, and I was thinking about it, and indeed discussing it with others, is those numbers must be very given to us for a reason. Um, The Galactic Lords, uh, Dr. King said he believed, and he actually was very honest about this. He said that he didn't know. He could only uh, also draw conclusions 
because this is knowledge that, as far as he was concerned, was given to him. I'm sure where he is now, he knows full well. But he said that he didn't know, and, and he was very honest about this. When he, he Often he did know, but sometimes he didn't. But he uh, concluded that a galactic lord was not the same thing as a galaxy, so it's not that yeah. we know there aren't 91 galaxies, but it's something yeah. higher. Now, the thought that came to me, Chrissy, was this. As intelligences advance, and a study of the nine freedoms absolutely demonstrates this in particular, two things happen. Many things happen, but two particular things happen. One, they are capable of dividing their consciousness into increasing numbers of divisions, of entities, of aspects, if you like. And so the more advanced an intelligence, it seems, the more they are able to divide their consciousness. So that's the first thing. The other thing that takes place is the amalgamation between different intelligences at a certain level to come together and create a higher intelligence. So, for example, it is lords of the sun who come together at a particular time when they are ready and together form a planet. So it occurred to me that there could be... Um, and one has to assume, I don't know this, but the, 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 gal the galaxy being the stage above the Supreme Lord of Karma, from the ninth to the tenth blessing, it could be a number of Supreme Lords of Karma, those who really maintain the law within that galaxy, uh, they merge together in whatever number it may be to form a galaxy. When... Uh, that happens, it might be that they amalgamate or become a part uh, of a galactic lord, uh, whatever a galactic lord is, so that although there are billions, we, we believe, of galaxies, right. I don't think mm. it's known yet, um, they could all be part or connected to, in some way, the 91. Likewise, we have the 900 million solar logi, and they, again, we know there are billions, possibly for all I know, trillions of suns, but they could all likewise be part of those 900 million solar logi. In other words, the actual intelligence. Otherwise, I think even Dr. King said we wouldn't be given that number if it wasn't correct by the Master Jesus. So that, that was my first thought that I throw in about the numbers in the 11th blessing. It's a question that's been asked, I think, over yeah. the years a number of times by people. Now, the other point which uh, occurred to me, which, sorry, would you want to say, sorry? Oh, no, I'm, I'm certainly one of those people that's wondered about those, you know, uh, because mm. we know through science it's a lot more than that, but your, your, alternative, your possible alternative makes a lot of sense because we, we've heard, as, as you're stating so well today, that, through our teachings that we do amalgamate with other intelligences. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. No, thank you, Chrissy. And moving on to the other thing that I just wanted to share with people, and I throw this thought out, that the last stages of intelligence that were revealed to us by the Master Jesus are the ninth Supreme Lords of Karma, the tenth Galaxy, the eleventh Supreme Lords of Creation, and then the return to the absolute, to the divine source. And we know, of course, that in the beginning uh, was creation. This is followed by preservation. And that, we now know from the nine freedoms, is followed by transmutation. Those are the stages of, that bring about an, a manifestation, cause evolution, and bring about the return. And it's been known for many thousands, millions of years on earth, uh, that there was the out-breathing followed by the in-breathing and the great return. Now, what I found interesting and what suddenly came to me is that the ninth blessing, the supreme lords of karma, working on behalf of divinity, uh, are bringing about enabling that transmutation process through karma to bring about the return back to divinity. When you move to the tenth blessing, the galaxy is acting on the plane of preservation. Of course, that preservation enables transmutation as well. And then when you move to the next level, the 11th blessing, the supreme lords of creation are the creators. 
So the element of creation comes in as well as preservation and transmutation and then back to divinity. So you have in a way, you, you, we are, the intelligence is participating directly, uh, if you like, in those aspects of divinity in reverse order, it would seem. Yeah. Although yeah. all the elements must be there, but in reverse order predominantly in each one, returning back to the divine. And I just thought I'd throw that thought out. It's an advanced thought. Uh, you know, I only offer it as food for discussion, contemplation. Um, and uh, I'd leave that there for people to consider if they wish. And again, those of us who are coming in cold on this, please forgive me because it's a very, very advanced topic indeed. Uh, way above my pay grade. But as I said earlier, we are, it's not given to us to ignore, it's given to us to study. Well, thank you so much for that, Richard. It's incredibly thought-provoking and definitely will read those blessings with bearing that in mind because it will take some, certainly some thinking about it. Fantastic, fantastic. I would say that is a revelation, so thank you very much for that, Richard. Thank you, Chrissy, and that brings us to really what we are discussing today, which is the first ever public transmission. I was going to say, Chrissy, the first public transmission delivered through Dr. King, but actually, um, probably the first public transmission, cosmic transmission ever delivered, as far as we know. But I'll hand this mm. over to you now, Chrissy, please, to introduce the topic of today. Yes, and I'd like to lead into the transmission by the Master of Sirius being studied with some fascinating background information, which is from our Master's biography, The King Who Came to Earth, that, of course, you wrote, Richard, uh, together with Brian Kniep. So um, the lead-in is very, very interesting indeed. New ground was broken on January the 29th, 1955, when the Master of Sirius spoke through Dr. King at a public meeting in the Caxton Hall, West London, not far from the Houses of Parliament. However, this brought the second difficult and very poignant lesson for Dr. King, as he explained in his Kansas City Lecture. And this is from his Kansas City Lecture. Another experience was this. This is Dr. King speaking. I had to start, for some reason, better known to the Great Ones, at the bottom. I was informed that the trance condition must be done in front of the people of London when the whole of my group, just on the verge of this first transmission going before the public, walked out and left me absolutely and completely alone. It was like adding insult to injury. But you see, this was another ex essential experience. I will never forget my feelings that night when I walked into Caxton Hall, London, a lone little figure. I looked at the audience, went up onto the platform and thought to myself, how in the name of the Lord can I get this very, very difficult trance condition under these conditions? You see, one flashbulb at the wrong time would have killed me. One noise at the wrong time might have given me internal hemorrhage. This I knew and appreciated very definitely. There I was, completely alone, or apparently so. However, a serious, a Venusian communicator, was able to speak to London for the first time that night. Despite his controversial claims, people were being convinced by the oratory and presence of the Master Assyrius in these early Caxton Hall meetings. They became known as Assyrius meetings. Very few written records exist until the publication in June 1955 of the journal which later became known as Cosmic Voice. If tape recordings were made in this period, they have been lost or erased by other subsequent transmissions. The Aetherius meetings were attracting considerable interest and support to Dr. King, very much in contrast to his first public transmission. As he put it in Kansas, Again, Dr. King speaking, since that time, those conditions have altered quite considerably and other people recognizing truth came to my side and gave me great assistance. It was not long before the Assyria Society had to be set up in order to handle the numerous letters 
that were coming to me from all over the world. In his yoga years, it had not been his goal to form an organization in and among humanity, as he revealed in a lecture in 1961. At one time, my dearest wish was to have a class of crack students who could work together to give various information to mankind, but not to be attached to mankind, to be detached from mankind, but have channels through which various information could be given to mankind, such as books and so on, but without becoming attached in any way. In other words, go into some retreat in some way and become self-supporting. That was my dearest wish. But I had to face this fact in myself that it couldn't be done. That the way of the monks is not the way. The way of the yogi who retreats is not the way. The way of the fakir who stands gazing at the sun is not the way. You have to be all three. You have to be monk, fakir and yogi and yet work in among mankind. And this is the most difficult thing to do. But this is the way in these days. And so he set about officially establishing a society to do just that. And I have to say thank you, Richard, for, this, for including this in the biography. It provides a tremendous backdrop to this transmission. Well, it's very moving, isn't it, really? And there he was. It was January the 29th. 1955, uh, he'd been receiving transmissions from the Master Ethereus since May the 29th, 1954, and those were delivered at uh, in, in private residences in Maida Vale generally, um, usually his own re residence in Clifton Gardens in Maida Vale, uh, with very small groups of students, and we have records of them. We don't have tapes of them. We don't have a tape of this, let me say. I'm not even sure that it was even recorded uh, at all. Um, it's, therefore, there must have been, there was a lady in the group, I believe, by the name of Margaret Darcy, who must have written up these early transmissions. And there's a little bit of a caveat there in that, like a lot of our transmissions that we talk about, we can absolutely check and test. And sometimes the transcripts have not that came down to us weren't perfect. And we've been able to correct some of these. Now we have something where we don't even have a tape. We don't even know that there was a tape. And we don't really know who wrote this down. Um, but these right. things were being written down by someone, as I think it would probably, probably maybe Margaret Darcy was the only person who did actually go along to that meeting just to write this down uh, or, or record it in shorthand or however she did that. Um, so, you know, we can't say it's absolutely checkable word for word, but we still have a record of it, far better record, for example, than we would have, say, of the Sermon on the Mount or something like that, infinitely better. And, of course, it was a context of um, flying saucers, uh, ridicule of flying saucers, but for somebody to go out and, and say they were actually a medium, it doesn't, nowadays, there are a lot of people who claim this. In fact, I'm going to say far too many people who claim this, because uh, whether they realize it or not, a lot of it is not from other planets. But in this case, it really, really was. And it was a very radical thing to do, and it shows he was completely on his own. There was a chairman at the meeting. I don't know who that was. It may have been someone that some people may have heard of, namely Peter Caddy, uh, because, who started Findhorn with his wife, um, because he was at the previous meeting in the Healing Circle. He and I assume Eileen Caddy uh, were, were there, and... Um, it may be that I know that he did act as chairman on at least one occasion at Caxton Hall for Dr. King, so maybe he was the chairman, but I can't be sure of that either. Um, and really, that's the background to it, Chrissy. Yes, yes, it's very, very sad, as you say, um, to hear that. Such an important transmission, and today we're going to be studying this. As it's a very long and detailed transmission. Um, so we're going to pick out uh, very, you know, relevant, very important points, and uh, Richard's going to discuss these. So the first part 
the master is here is discussing flying saucers, as Richard said, among other things. And I'll start by reading this uh, short extract from it. These disks you see in the sky, most of them are coming with the approval of the whole planetary system. Some have come from Mars, some from Venus, and some from Jupiter. The latter are invisible unless they wish to make themselves visible. Is there anything you'd like to say about that, Richard? Yes, and the sentence after that, uh, actually, is they can even absorb, take through themselves, radar emanation, so as not to give an echo on your screens. I don't want to go off onto a, a UFO tangent at all, but I just must state that it's been absolutely proved. It was already known, and many have commented on it, these capabilities of extraterrestrial spacecraft. But last year, on June the 25th, uh, it was released through the Pentagon and the American government. And this, this particular capability, that they are invisible unless they wish to make themselves visible, uh, is one of the features... Um, that came out in this and indeed other reports and also this other one about absorbing and taking through themselves radar emanations so as not to give an echo on your screens. That also was commented on. They call these things signature really? management. Yeah, so there you have something, you know, very, very belatedly confirmed um, decades later that was said right from the beginning at the first public meeting of what you could, although it hadn't yet formally been started, this was really, in a way, the beginnings of the Aetherius Society, I would say, if I had to pick a date, because Dr. King always said it started in 1955. This must be the first. This is going public. This is no longer private groups. I, I would just throw in another thing, which um, started to happen last year, and there was an article in a very conservative journal in Britain, which has, I think, been with us since the 18th century, but I might be wrong there. It's called The Spectator. And there was an article um, about UFOs in it on June the 12th, 2021. And there was this quote, which I put on my website for a while. The cynical laughter about UFOs is dying away. And it's not actually that uh, The Spectator and its readers particularly welcomed that, by the way. What they were really saying is we can't laugh at this anymore, you know, which was a bit pathetic, but at least it was true, it was honest, and obviously that had been their way of dealing with it. You know, some people avoid truth just by laughing at it. That's not good enough. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I would say that in the same period as the transmission we're talking about now, I don't know the exact date, it's published in uh, You Are Responsible, it's called Interplanetary Policy, the master theorist did say, and I want to get the exact quote, um, he said this, make no doubt about this in the near future, you'll notice a great swing take place in your press. Those very few people who a few months ago would have laughed at any mention of communication from interplanetary intelligences will change their opinions. So once again, it's not a few months. I mean, I'm sure things did happen a few. They did actually happen a few months later. But here we have this journal uh, finally changing their opinions on June the 12th, 2021. Yes, absolutely. The next part, Richard, um, as you know, the Master of Sirius is discussing uh, ways in which the interplanetary masters are helping humanity. And these mm -hmm. two next extracts give two ways, and I'd like to read the first one. We have been able to draw together a lot of your released radioactivity, which has distorted the ether to such an extent that this distortion would have become very dangerous to all terrestrial residents. We have been able to draw this together by what I term magnetic mechanism and we have taken it outside of your atmospheric belt yes i think we should explain this is quite a long transmission it might, i don't know how long it took to deliver uh, but it's quite lengthy and all uh, it, has, it, it isn't published and what christy and i are doing here are just taking some of the key uh, excerpt, extract, this is not the whole of it that we're, we're sharing with you, but again, the one you've picked there, Chrissy, shows that right from the beginning, atomic release was on their minds in the first ever public statement. Uh, the master theorist was talking 
first of all, about the help they were giving uh, with, with radioactivity and uh, in, in removing it from our atmospheric belt. I mean, otherwise, there would have been catastrophe without that help. But also, because it wasn't understood at all in 1955, the dangers were just not known. I mean, atomic trials were being done right. with people just standing near them. They had no idea at all what they were dealing with. It's still dangerous, but then they, they were just completely out of their depth. Um, but also, I think there you also see right from the beginning the concept of the other octaves, the distortion of the ether, um, not just the physical effects of radioactive release. So really there you've got that issue from the very beginning. One of the reasons actually that brought UFO contacts or flying saucer contacts about in that period uh, mentioned from day one. Yeah, such a good point, Richard. Humanity at that time had no idea of the dangers. So again, another prediction. The next part, mm. we have flooded this planet with spiritual radiation so that a total rise in consciousness has been brought about. But we are not allowed to trespass upon the most sacred and private sanctuary, which is your own mind. While you have a notice, thou shalt not trespass. We can only enter in if you reach up. You know, I think there's a lot in that. Um, I think, again, right from the very, very beginning, there you have the master theorist talking about flooding the planet with spiritual radiations. It's going on now. We've just entered a spiritual push just hours ago in order to flood the planet with spiritual radiations. The, this is the biggest thing I noticed, Chrissy, when reading carefully this transmission, is the consistency. That what was said then on day one in public, June the, January the 29th, 1955, is what Dr. King was doing at the end of his mission, at his last week of his mission. Uh, it it remained, point. obviously he developed it, he evolved it, uh, he improved it, but the same essential tenets were there and still are and we're still doing it now. And this concept of thou shalt not trespass, in other words, they won't interfere with people. That was answered again on day one. They will pour out energy, but they can only pour it to the people who reach up and use it. And that's a concept which really answers the questions that come up, why don't they just come here, take over the world? Yes. You know, these mm. points were highlighted from the very beginning. Absolutely, yes. And maybe I'll just read the next extract, Richard, before a break, because it's just about half past, I think. Um, you see, you must put the world right, the present world calamity. And believe me, it is a very serious one is the responsibility of every man, every woman, every child, and every animal residing upon terror. Yes, you see there again, a very interesting statement, the responsibility of every man, every woman, every child, and every animal. And of course it doesn't mean that everyone has an equal responsibility, because the more capabilities right. and realizations, the greater your responsibility but to even bring in children and animals as having some responsibility is I would say probably fairly controversial but still an aspect of truth and again this concept of responsibility which applies today with the situation currently in Ukraine that's a present world calamity in the making right. and uh, it, it applies now and of course we're told how to deal with it spiritual radiations great consistency but as you rightly say I think we're going to be in trouble with our producer if we don't go to our break now <laughs> we don't want that <laughs> oh my goodness my goodness intriguing revelation after revelation thanks so very much Richard and Chrissy you are listening to A Serious Radio Live with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, looking in detail at the first cosmic transmission given in public. As mentioned already, I'm sure you'll be very happy to know that we have just entered the first spiritual push for 2022, when yesterday, or depending on what uh, 
where you were, we welcomed again into orbit of Earth the giant spacecraft we know as Satellite Number 3, flooding our world with much needed spiritual energy. The spiritual push or magnetization period lasts until May 23rd, during which all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. Absolutely exciting and wonderful. You are warmly welcome to continue joining us, especially during this spiritual push, for our daily services, both live stream and online, and sometimes even more than once a day, to send out as much spiritual power and love to our world, details of which are on our website. The next Sirius Radio live show on May 17th will be yet another amazing in-depth study by Richard and Chrissy, and wait for it. It's entitled, Adept Number 6, Archetype of Transmutation. Wow, I'm already looking forward to it. <laughs> so that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to hand you back to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Well, Richard, Richard, I'll carry on reading these extracts from this Please do. fantastic transmission, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It is um, amazing. Mar- it's staggering yeah. how much is in it. How so much, yeah. The Master Ethereum. A master, no matter how great he is, cannot and will not take the law into his own hands. It is up to all of you to accept the help, use it, so that you may be able to transmute your abilities onto the highest possible plane. You have locked the door of your prison, but you have not thrown the key away. The key is within you, and the more you transmute your thoughts and actions onto the highest plane, the more help you will get from us on the interplanetary parliament. There's so much in that, Chrissy. I think, um, you know, and this is the thing with the master theorist, it's deceptive, and I found this over and over again. He gives uh, a great teaching in an apparently chatty, casual manner, which can almost yes. appear accidental. It isn't, and yet within it is absolutely pluperfect. Uh, balance of knowledge so in here we have uh, first of all the concept that again that a master will not take the law into his own hands he can't that would be against the law it is up to people to rise up but we have also on this very very first transmission I must repeat this word transmute you may be able to transmute your abilities onto the highest possible plane and then later the more you transmute your thoughts and actions onto the highest plane, the more help you will get from us on the interplanetary parliament. So this isn't a, um, as you like, what you might call a ufology talk, as you might expect one, or in those days a flying saucer talk, as you might expect one. This is metaphysical, this is mystical, this is spiritual, and the concepts are very high ones. The concept of transmuting, that act of transmuting your thoughts onto the highest plane, the more help you'll get from us, uh, it's a key. It's a promise as well. And it's what Dr. King did, of course. Uh, It's because he was uh, able to do that to the very highest plane that they could even use him as their channel. And this is the ludicrous thing when you come across some claimants uh, to, to be in touch with these intelligences. They haven't demonstrated that ability in the slightest. And sometimes they don't even claim to have done. And of course they would have to do that. But it's a promise to all of us. Um, and you know it's interesting because it brings in the concept of other planes and if you like other realms there's a there's an interesting relationship between higher levels of energy on this plane and other realms of existence which are on higher levels so it's that's a whole massive topic uh, which was developed later but i think it's interesting to note that there are seven levels this one is level one then we know there's two three four five six seven there are lower levels we won't go into here they're not meant to be there they're an aberration but the seven levels are and we have seven psychic centers 
And I just throw out this thought, you know, that each one, the base center, the sex center, the solar plexus center, they're all important, the heart center, the throat center, Christ and crown, but they could possibly, I say possibly, be correlated to certain aspects of the manifestation of the levels. So here on level one, the base level, you have materialism, and then you go to level two, and they are pretty basic, family, possession, desire, that could be correlated with some of the aspects of the sex center. Level three, more in intellect, ideas, theories, definitely could be correlated to the solar plexus center. Level four, starting real spiritual expression, intuitive awakening, uh, could be correlated to the opening or the beginnings of the opening of the heart center. Then you're into the realms of the masters. At the throat center, of course, you have become an addict. If you can, raise the kundalini entirely to that center. Genius, cooperation with the great white brotherhood, maybe, hopefully. And level six, of course, the highest inhabited level, if you equated that to the Christ center, you have mastery, samadhi, um, possibly representing the great white brotherhood at an unascended level. And then the highest level, seven, the crown center, if you equated it to that, the Brahma Chakra, cosmic consciousness, and that, of course, is not somewhere you should stay. It's uninhabitable. Uh, in the long term, you can visit it, and in the same way that you shouldn't dwell permanently in cosmic consciousness, the whole point, as Dr. King explained, is to then leave it. Anyway, I throw that out only as a thought. Um, I don't offer it as a fact, but it's something that occurred to me quite strongly, that correlation. Uh, but certainly there you have this whole concept of transmuting your thoughts. I'll just add one more thing to that, of course, that the ascension and some of the greatest acts of magic, we've talked about, for example, Operation Earthlight before on Ethereum Radio Live, done by the ascended masters, connected to the earth, had to be done on level one. And this is where you get the basic aspect. And it's necessary, if you're going to transmute the energies, you have to do them entirely which would include the basic center all the way up to the highest levels just some thoughts i throw in there chrissy richard i have to say i'm a i'm a bit gobsmacked by that um <laughs> it's such an interesting concept so you're correlating the the levels with the different psychic center chakras um i mean Possibly. now that you yes. say it it sounds oh wow that sounds so obvious like it's like when you hear truth you know you hear anything that's obvious but it doesn't mean you would ever have thought of it yourself so I mean, you've summed it up so succinctly, but it could definitely, this should def could, should definitely be expanded. You know, it, it sounds like a book to me. It's, um, you know, in which <laughs> well, you all would know. the ramifications um, explained. I mean, that's fantastic, fantastic uh, concept there. Thank it's, you for that. It's an interesting concept. And, you know, uh, I only offer it as a thought. Um, I do say this, though, of course, you wouldn't be limited to that. It could be a major aspect of the expression of a realm. But also I'd say this yeah. too, that mm -hmm. now in particular, those on the highest realm would be much more interested in visiting, I believe, lower realms than their own realm than they would have been a hundred years ago and more. Um, I think there's been a massive change and that's mainly thanks to the six adepts, I believe. Um, and now there is greater movement between them. But... The whole purpose, though, is what the master of theorists identified there, transmuting your abilities onto the highest possible plane. And, of course, to do that, you have to factor in all the levels and then take it to the very highest. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you, Richard. So, Richard, the next part of the transmission, um, I mean, it's so hopeful. It gets so high. <laughs> the master of theorists um, mm. talks about you know, one step out of our way to reach up to the great beings of Saturn. And the next part, I'm, I'm hoping you might comment on the great God, which is the sun, not the absolute God, and what that means. The great God, which is the sun, not the absolute God. I wanted to mention that, Chrissy, because that here again, and I, I know I'm, I'm like a long playing gra gramophone record, as we used to say when we had gramophone records. Um, <laughs> It's interesting in that here we have the first ever transmission and right there you have mention of the absolute. 
years before the twelve blessings was delivered uh, a great God which is the Son so you have that concept too which came in the eighth blessing um, but but not the absolute God something greater something we really started this program with stages beyond even the Son because the Hindu scripts the Bible whether they know it or not their God was the Son now we've gone Beyond that, this is where we have the ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th, and of course the 12th blessing is to the absolute. So that word, the absolute, was there, right there, on January the 29th, 1955. Thank you for explaining that, Richard. Now the next part is also very interesting, um, about the Master Osiris. And the Master Osiris says, although my main concern, oh, he's talking about... um, you know, people ask how, but his, he says, although my main concern is answering why, I am a philosopher rather than a scientist. I will answer scientific questions. That tells us a lot about the master of serious, doesn't it? It does, and I think we have to understand what he, the master of theorists, might have meant when he described himself as a philosopher. There's a brilliant answer to a question actually in the early days uh, of when when the master of theorists would take questions and I, I haven't got it in front of me but it goes something like this what do you do on Venus and his answer was mm-hmm. we spend our time thinking about God mm-hmm. um, that was his answer and of course that everything is in that of course it's a brilliant answer because God is all but um, I think here when he though talks about being a philosopher I would believe myself that he's talking about it in the Eastern sense, if you like, rather than the Western sense. Uh, I don't think he's talking about intellectual speculation here. Um, I think he says, I'm a philosopher rather than a scientist. My concern is answering why. And, you know, much years later, you have this revelation in the seventh freedom by Mars Sector 6 that interplanetary masters and again this isn't an exact quote, start to realize the why of existence. And I think the phrase is realize. Um, And it's something that comes about through realization. So it's a philosophy that isn't driven by, you know, what we associate in the West. I don't know about you, but I did attend, when I was at University of Philosophy, class because we were allowed to go into other lectures and it was quite painful physically almost the um, sort of intellectual gamesmanship that was going on and I and of course where does it end it doesn't seem to end very far but if you are answering why through your realization by going within and this was the eastern tradition in, in, in in the Upanishads and so on you know, it accompanied meditation, not just speculative thought or rationalization. That's, I think, what he means by uh, philosophy. But it's interesting, I think, Chrissy, and I'm, this is a slight tangent, that uh, a lot of the sort of highly celebrated, I could name them, but I don't wish to name them, highly celebrated spiritual figures of our period, mind, body, spirit figures, if you like, try to draw on science. So they'll come up with something like the power of intention, shall we say. And there's truth in it, but it's nothing new. Uh, I mean, Alice Bailey talked about thoughts being things, and so did Annie Besant. And uh, it's been with us for centuries, that kind of thing. And yet, in a way, they end up with a diluted form of prayer. And it is diluted because they've lost the main thing, which is divine connection. They've removed that because it's a secularization of spirituality. But what they substitute it with is so-called scientific proof that they found from traditional scientific sources. Well, they discovered this in this experiment and that, and the neuroscientists found this, and so on. I I Actually, I heard... um, I found it quite sad, a very, very prominent figure, many would say one of our leading spiritual figures of this era. I've met him um, once, I I saw him answering a very simple question this week um, about life after death, I mean I saw it this week, I don't think it was new, 
what, uh, what is life after death, essentially? And he really didn't know. Uh, and, and he didn't pretend to know, but instead he substituted it with a lot of convoluted kind of scientific findings and then throwing in his own thoughts. And you, it, it really dilutes it. And what's missing, and I could list them off, I, the, the, probably the spiritual leader of, of a massive community uh, in the world, I saw on, on a website connected to him he sta- he, a statement from him that the deepest form of meditation is sleep. And I think he drew that. <laughs> again, I could name him, but I won't. Everyone's heard of him. Oh. Uh, I think he drew that from science again. You know, the measuring of the brain waves, the beta, the alpha, the delta, which you, is the slowest, slowing down of the brain waves, which you find in sleep. I think he'd been driven by this. Instead of being driven by realization, I've seen another massive figure, many would say an enlightened person, say that the highest form of love is sex. Now, I've seen him say it on television because he said it's complete surrender. Well, you'd find a lot of people would agree with him on that and and not uh, spiritually minded people particularly. But it certainly shows, again, a lack of realization. I could go on. There's a couple of women who once abandoned spirituality for politics, which again shows she never really realized what spirituality could do. And another one was a, a great proponent. I was on the radio with her once about angels and her experience with angels, who's now a born-again Christian, which shows she never had the contacts she claimed she can't have done or she would have known that uh, it's, it's a higher thing than what she is now engaged in, in my opinion. So I could go on. But often it's when they're moving away, and this is what what I'm really coming back to, what I think the master theorist means by knowing the why or being concerned with answering why is through your own inner realization. That's the kind of philosopher I think he's talking about. Thank you, Richard. In the next part of this transmission, the master theorist talks about uh, religion, the religion of the cosmic masters. And I will read a short extract. Be still and know that I am God. And yet, although it is a very simple statement, it is one of the greatest in the interplanetary system. So when I say our religion is simple, I do not mean that the young people would find it simple. I mean that it is religion or a belief that recognizes reality is unchangeability. Your own worthy masters say just the same thing. Yes, absolutely. You know, what I think is a a wonderful thing to have, and I have to commend listeners to Ethereus Radio Live and people who accept the teachings of the Ethereus Society who are able to do that. I wouldn't underestimate that ability for one moment. These are people who are able to um, not be subject to inverted commas baggage, and, and this is differentiates them from the sort of people I was talking about earlier, who are much more popular, no doubt about it, uh, much more popular uh, than, than – and Dr. King used to make a point, actually, of saying that he is not going to be popular when he says X, Y, or Z. And he knew and stated it was not going to help him on the po- popularity front. Um, there are people who, because of certain things, say, let's say mediumship, let's say UFOs, let's say aliens, let's say religion, uh, let's say religious services, these things get in their way. But a true seeker for truth, it doesn't get in their way because they, 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 they're really looking for truth regardless of its packaging whether it's packaging in the form of science, whether it's packaging in the form of religion, makes no difference to a true searcher for truth. And, you know, you can be an ordinary person, but have extraordinary perception. And that extraordinary perception is the ability to recognize great truth. And if you have that, and you can recognize, let's say, the nine freedoms, the, the transmission we're talking about here, the 12 blessings, you are streets ahead of somebody, even somebody of greater personal development than you and realization than you who doesn't have that perception, who can't recognize such great wisdom because you are accepting teachings that they don't know. 
that they haven't yet realized. Now this quote that you've read there, be still and know that I am God, it's interesting. I, I, I know I'm, I shouldn't divert, but I'm going to. There is a particular woman that I know was at an early meeting uh, of Dr. King's who many years later took that statement and said she heard it from God. I've got every reason to believe she might have even been at this meeting. And she used that very statement, be still and know that I am God, to form a major spiritual movement, claiming she heard that from God in the UK. I think she got an MBE or something. She was awarded. I'm not saying she didn't do good work. I'm not saying she didn't help people. I'm not saying the other people I mentioned earlier haven't helped people uh, or done any good. I'm not saying that. But um, it goes to show that here we have, and this was years, a few years later that she made that claim. Now this statement was there, again on day one, be still and know that I am God. Very simple, one of the greatest in the, in the interplanetary system. And it must be really, what greater thing could there be than to know that I am God? Again, said right from the beginning, uh, it wasn't new, uh, that concept wasn't new, uh, but it was, I think, when you, when you look at what is, we did later discovered a Saturnian to be, uh, one of the qualities of that Saturnian, we are told, and this was revealed later, is their complete stillness. Absolute mm. stillness. And in that is their perfection and their godliness and their divinity. So we have it all there again uh, in this yeah. incredible first public transmission. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. Um, and the next part, Master Etherius continues to talk about um, religion. And, you know, Richard, um, I believe that, I mean, there are many reasons why these transmissions are given, but I imagine the one overriding reading is that, reason is that the cosmic masters want us to change for the better, want us to evolve. And I'd like to read this short extract on that note, the Master Etherius. If your whole world does not change, my friends, then I am afraid it is due for a very grave calamity, one which will wipe out at least 25% of the inhabitants of it. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? 25% of the inhabitants of our world would be wiped out if the world doesn't change. That, I think, shows what, what they were doing at that time and why. And, of course... The interventions began from then onwards, and particularly the start of spiritual pushes later in that year. And yeah. uh, that has not happened, thankfully, but that would have happened. Uh, so that just gives us a little idea what we're looking at then, and what, you know, theoretically we could still be looking at if we don't put the world right. And I think the next one I think you're going to read gives us great hope, Chrissy. Yes, I was going to say that. The Master is serious. This is fantastic. Five right yeah. minds thinking together. Five right people planning together. Five right people loving together can change a county. Ten right people thinking together. Ten right people planning together. Ten right people loving together can change a country. You can take it from there, and I absolutely guarantee results. If you are willing to extend the effort, in order to bring these results about. Wow. That's an amazing thing, isn't it, Chrissy? I'm going to just say those figures again. Five right minds thinking together, five right people planning together, five right people loving together can change a county, ten right people thinking together, ten right people planning together, ten right people loving together can change a country. Now that's remarkable, um, key words being right, right people, um, and yes. of course loving meaning, as we later discovered, love as an energy, but it goes to show what 10 people can do. It's amazing what 10 people can do, and I don't believe it's limited to the country they're in. He doesn't say the country they're in, he says they can change a country. So, um, you know, I don't know that he didn't mean that, but he certainly doesn't limit it. In the, and I'm not going to take it as a limited statement. I mean, right now, and I know you're doing lots of things in Michigan and in L.A. they are, in New Zealand and all over the world, Canada. Um, but, right, for example, here, 
Uh, we have every day at the moment people gathering together for 15 minutes at 12 noon and sending energy out for the Ukraine situation. Um, we have always have at least 10. We generally have quite a few more than 10. It's, it's tremendously hopeful what can be done by even a small number of people. You know, it doesn't require, often people will look at the Ethereum side and say, well, your numbers are small, and they are quite small. Um, you know, we're not in the tens of thousands. We have probably tens of thousands of people certainly interested in us, uh, but we, you know, our active people are, I would say, in the low, I don't know the figure, it's maybe low thousands. I, I, it's hard to judge. Certainly, definitely hundreds. Um, but it's not massive. You know, we aren't talking millions. We certainly aren't talking a billion. But it's amazing what can be done with these small numbers to change the world if they are the right people. Uh, and that, I, I think, implies doing it in the right way uh, and doing the right thing. Uh, then I think it's staggering and extremely encouraging, yeah. particularly coming after that warning of, you know, 25% could well, could, could, could die, could be wiped out. Yeah, but if we look back over civilization, it, it usually is a changes that are brought about through usually one person and other people join together. So it's not beyond the bounds of, I mean, it's obviously true, but it's um, so hopeful to say. It is. It certainly is. And it's, time, I mean, we... We are. So I, think, I don't think we should rush on. I think we should... That's a great note to end on, I think, uh, Chrissy. Yeah. Uh, that's a wonderful, positive note to end on. And um, I, I think we should take that thought out with us. Ten right people thinking together, planning together, loving together can change a country. And I think you could take that if you had you know, more than 10 if you had hundreds, and we definitely had hundreds of people minimum around the world joining in with the first hour of the spiritual push a few hours ago. Um, maybe more than hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, but certainly hundreds. Um, could absolutely change the world. Let's take that thought with us into this spiritual push. And I think there, Chrissy, we should wrap up the first ever public transmission. I agree. This is a fantastic thought to end on. Very, very hopeful for our future. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you, Chrissy, very much. And over to you, Mrs. Producer Nikki Perrot. What can I say? An absolutely brilliant show. And that, that statistic, 10, it just goes to show how much power we have. And thank you, Richard and Chrissy, for just such an in-depth explanation about how this first cosmic transmission given in public has given us such hope for the future. It has given us all, I am sure, a lot to think about and contemplate on. My goodness, we are so fortunate, and thank you. As already mentioned, Richard and Chrissy will be looking, hey, wait for this, we'll be looking at adept number six, archetype of transmutation on next month's A Serious Radio Live show on May the 17th. Whoopee! <laughs> I shouldn't, I should hold back, I know, but I, I love it, I love it. It's so brilliant. And um, let's just reassure you, visiting org will provide you with details of the intensive program of services live-streamed from the Aetherius Temples in London and Los Angeles together with online 12 Blessings services at 12blessings.org. Please, please do tune in. They are absolutely amazing. Further information and full details, various publications and audio titles that are also available as e-books, CDs or downloads, they can be obtained from the Ethereus.org website. I tell you, it really will not be a waste of time. Just investigate. Investigate. 
and find out. You are very welcome to continue joining us for our daily services, both live stream and online, sometimes more than once a day. So uh, we are really pushing out as much healing power and love to our world that is so desperately needed and especially uh, enhanced during this this current spiritual push. You can connect with your hosts, Richard Lawrence, through his personal website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and Chrissy Blaze through her personal website, astrologycity.com. Please do join us. It's worth the effort. It really is. Send out as much spiritual power as you can. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to your company next month.